0: Good afternoon to all of our fellow health enthusiasts. My name is Aubrey Mast and I'm a professor of nutrition. This is a new podcast developed by my friend and colleague, Dr. Charles Benz. And we call this show Healing Trends with Dr. Benz. We search the internet every day to find the best scientific studies that can be used to improve the health of every interested person. You will not see many of these studies in the conventional media because most doctors do not have the time or the interest in finding them. There are also special interests that are less than enthusiastic about you knowing about the studies. Every week we will explore nutritional science that has the potential to prevent and even reverse 90% of chronic illness. This could save many lives and help to stop the healthcare crisis that will eventually bankrupt our country. This is frequently referred to as functional medicine and has been adopted by thousands of doctors as well as medical schools and hospitals, including the Cleveland Clinic. Today's program is entitled Diabetes and Pancreatic Cancer Risk. Hi, Dr. Benz.
1: Hey, how are you? I'm well. Well, I sent you this study from Life Extension Magazine It's their current issue. And uh, the editorial was from Bill Falloon, my friend at uh, Life Extension. And he speaks in here about the rise in pancreatic cancer. And uh, it's interesting because I think the list of people that he put in the front of this article of who have had and died from pancreatic cancer was super impressive. I mean, just go over real quick. Uh, Steve Jobs. Congressman John Lewis, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Aretha Franklin, Alex Trebek, Luciano Pavarotti, Sally Ride, the astronaut, and Patrick Swayze, just to mention a few. My point is, those are well-known people. They had access to the best doctors in the world, and they couldn't get a solution. And so, I don't know what that says to you. I mean, when you we look at Bill Falloon's uh, study, he said, if you find it early, in other words, if you find a cancer early, like stage one, then you've got a 40% chance of surviving five years. If you find it late, you only have a 10% chance of surviving five years. Those are not good track records. If if I was somebody in the in the medical community working on cancer, I would not be very happy with that. We've now been 50 years with the war on cancer, and that's the best we can come up with? That to me is pathetic. So I have my own statistic that I'd like to enter into that equation. If we found cellular changes early in the body, in the pancreas, we could actually probably get a 95% plus reduction in pancreatic cancer and an unlimited number of years of extended life, depending on how old you are and how long you're gonna live through other factors. And so if we know that's probably pretty close to being true, what are we doing here? Why can we not get this under control I'm gonna let you start on this and see see I know you've come up with things in this we've talked about this before but I would love for you to give us a good baseline for where to begin with this whole thing
0: I'm really glad that we're having this conversation because I will be honest pancreatic cancer was not not one of the cancers that I've worked the most with with my clients and so I was intrigued with what the research was really showing especially when I was looking at how cases of pancreatic cancer have almost more than doubled in the last 30 years and i was just completely shocked i mean i know we see those trends with most can with most types of cancer but for pancreatic specifically i was very caught off guard and you know the thing that i always think about the most with any type of cancer i'm talking to clients about is about preventing using and focusing on modifiable risk factors so modifiable risk factors are you know Decreasing your toxicity load, so environmental toxins, but also agricultural toxins. You know, modifiable risk factors are how much are you moving your body? You can't change how old you are, but you can change how much you weigh, right? By how much you what you're moving your body and what you're how much you're moving your body and what you are eating. Also, how you what are you drinking and alcohol consumption, which is a known toxin. Cigarette smoking again, modifiable risk factor water consumption how much sleep are you getting all of these are modifiable risk factors that play a huge role within any type of cancer but specifically within pancreatic cancer you know i keep thinking back to how there is a huge context and a huge correlation with underlying inflammation chronic inflammation that's the cornerstone of most preventable diseases at this point And so if pancreatic cancer, you know, you listed the statistics of it, it's really not great statistics in terms of if you can't catch it early enough versus that later. However, the modifiable risk factors are a huge place that we can begin, which means that we need to look at where is our chronic inflammation existing at. I always go back to the dimensions of wellness, you know, of looking at your job that you're doing, how much you're sleeping, what are your social relationships like, what kind of nutrients are you taking in, what kind of liquids are you consuming, are you moving your body, what's your emotional and your mental health like. You know there's a, a quote that was in this research article that said the inflammation that chronic pancreatitis, um, those that have chronic pancreatitis have up to an eightfold higher risk of developing pancreatic cancer it's all related to what kind of inflammations in the body, and I think specifically to pancreatic cancer, we have to look very extensively at the role of the animal consumption upon the pancreas and how acidic it is, but then also how inflammatory it is.
1: Yeah, I mean, the one statistic that stuck out to me was in one study, the red meat consumption increased the risk of pancreatic cancer by 48%. I mean... When people say, well, I love red meat, you know, and I'm just not going to change my, we had this discussion a few weeks ago uh, about uh, the talk show host, uh, uh, Kerry, um, and, uh, and, and he changed his lifestyle because of his heart problem. But it's the same thing. When you look at the statistics, people who eat fruits and vegetables have a corresponding reduced risk of pancreatic cancer. And so, yeah, red meat's on top of the list. And and one of the other factors that you didn't mention yet is exercise. People don't exercise enough. And when you don't exercise enough, these insulin receptors that are on every one of our cells go down and go to sleep. This is actually what happens. When you exercise, those insulin receptors stand up, they become more sensitive, they multiply, And they function better to catch the magnesium that's coming through your body, through the food you eat, hopefully, and allows the magnesium to go into your cell to actually be used to help to burn the oxygen and the glucose that's in your body. And to me... If that's not worth a half an hour of walking around and waving your arms around to get to get all the ins, you have to get all the insulin receptors. So walking is good for your legs. But if you're not moving your arms, you're not getting the insulin receptors on your arms and the upper part of your body uh, sensitized. And so I think they reducing the sugar and the simple carbohydrates is number one. Making sure you have enough magnesium is number two and exercising is number three. So when I try to simplify it for people, I say, stop eating so much sugar. Eat green vegetables, take a supplement, magnesium supplement and take a walk. (laughs) It's not it's not that hard. And so you go from the ridiculously simple to a lot of the things that you said that were logical for people who want to pay attention to this and want to do the right things. But what it boils down to is, are you a slug and not not exercising? And are you stuffing your mouth with ice cream and alcohol and red meat? <laughs> and if you are, then the, you're asking for this problem. And you know, I'm fighting a situation like that with a family member right now who had a lifestyle that was uh, not conducive uh, to, to good health. And so, you know, she ended up with with, uh, breast cancer that spread to brain cancer. And and it's so unfortunate. You know, I feel so bad for her and for her family. But the point of of, of this is that that was all preventable. Most of it was preventable. So uh, I don't know what we can do to wake people up. I mean, are there any incentives out there for doctors to help people to be preventing medicine. I, I don't think there are any incentives out there. Do you know of
0: any? I do not know of anybody offering incentives at this time. Yeah, no.
1: So there's one of the things that we were going to say, what are one of the things that we could do to change the system? Right there, if, if doctors were incentivized to prevent illness and got rewarded financially on the basis of how many years of, of good health they were able to gain for people, this would be a great incentive but you know that's too socialistic that's you know that's not that's not within the capitalistic system and so we've got to find a way around that because there are countries that are doing this there are incentivizing even even in China Uh, some of the places in China have better systems for for uh, rewarding doctors who prevent disease rather than uh, letting it continue to go go on unabated how about Blood tests. Do you know anything about the glycomark or the RBC magnesium test as examples?
0: No, that's all in your wheelhouse.
1: Well, I remember us talking about it before, and you said that. You said, you know, I haven't really studied that, but you may remember when you were pregnant, uh, uh, most women get the uh, uh, glucose challenge test. Do you remember getting one of those where they gave you like 75 grams of uh, of glucose, and then you got tested uh, over a two and a half hour period to see whether your uh, insulin and and the glucose levels fluctuated or not?
0: No, but I also uh, gave birth with a midwife and was tracking my diet pretty routinely and doing it using yeah, a glucose yeah. monitor so you know those okay, factors okay. sort of threw that off yeah
1: you, you were all, you were already involved at, at, the, at right. the more progressive at the more progressive end exactly but most, most doctors do recognize the glucose challenge test because they don't want that diabetes that kicks in in the third in the third quarter Um, So they they don't want that to happen. So they're giving that monitor at that last six, that last three months. But what what people don't realize is that's a a true measure of your insulin resistance and and your glucose impact on your body. Well, guess what? The Glycomark test uh, is able to do that without taking two and a half hours to, to get it done. It's a regular blood test and it factors in what your post meal glucose levels are. And that's perfect because now the blood tests that they do, the total glucose and the A1C, they're fasting glucose tests. Well, if you fast for 12 or 14 hours, I defy almost anybody to not have low glucose levels (laughs) except people who are, you know, eating a ton of ice cream every night uh, before they go to sleep. Um, So it's one of those things where, again, the doctors have responsibility to do this. And, and, and to take responsibility for it. And I don't know whether you knew this, but, but some people are born with a, no, a low number of beta cells in their, in their body, in their, in their pancreas. 50,000, 250,000. Most people have two and a half million. But if you only have 250,000 beta cells, you can't make enough insulin, especially if you're eating the wrong diet. And so these are genetic kind of predispositions that, that need to be taken into consideration. Um, so I I think this is one of those things where the medical profession has control over this the tests are there and all they need to do is use them properly Um, is there anything from an herbal or a nutritional point of view that you'd like to add to give us an idea of, of, of where people can go that's not too difficult not too costly where they can kind of stem the tide of this particular problem
0: I mean, I think within pancreatic cancer, I really look at the role of magnesium, you know, and so going to magnesium rich sources, which we've talked about before, that's a soil bound nutrient found in a lot of times leafy greens, but then also increasing the amount of nuts somebody's eating and swapping out those simple carbohydrates for the complex carbohydrates with nuts, you're going to find essential fatty acids in it you'll find fiber, you'll find protein in it, and the complex carbs so you'll see actually blood glucose um, stabilization happening. Um, And then I also think about carotenoids and lycopene that are really important, this is why we see lower rates of pancreatic cancer in the Mediterranean diet, you know, lycopene is the phytochemical that's found in tomatoes and watermelon and carotenoids are going to be coming from like carrots and papaya and those orange or sweet potatoes, orange foods. And so increasing the phytochemical concentration is really important, but that's because it's counteracting chronic inflammatory markers. Any place where we can get more fruits and vegetables in, specifically those dark leafy greens, but then also vegetables that are soil-bound and soils that are actually you know nutrient-dense and diverse, microbially diverse, are going to be the best sources for the magnesium, but also the phytochemicals that are really necessary for fighting those inflammatory markers.
1: And and I think that the RDA, I mean, when people uh, cite the RDA, which is the recommended daily allowance, they're really citing, I think, the minimal daily allowance. And so 450 milligrams of magnesium is what I would call the bottom of of the thing because when, when you get to, I think the, the Life Extension article said that if you get to 75% of that 450, in other words, if you're up into 350 range, you increase your risk of pancreatic cancer by 76%. So don't tell me that the RDA of 450 is acceptable when just lowering it by 25% makes your pancreatic cancer risk go up 76%. There's something wrong. The statistics don't add up here. So we have what we, we consider to be, a, I say we doctors of the functional medicine type, uh, optimal daily allowances. And so 800 milligrams a day is much more acceptable for preventing pancreatic cancer and diabetes and, and all these other uh, illnesses, these metabolic illnesses. So I think the RDA. I want, I'm not going to say it's a joke. I'm just going to say it's an inadequate number in in most cases. And this is a this is a classic example of it being an inadequate number. And uh, I just think that only two two. Uh, <laughs> People only eat two vegetables a day. Sometimes the two vegetables they get is the, uh, the, the potatoes and the ketchup. Um, that gives them their tomatoes. And I, I know that sounds stupid, but you remember I've cited before this study from the National Cancer Institute. 16,000 people, not one person had a healthy diet. And these are people from age 2 to age 80. And they tested them in 14 different categories. And a majority of the people were deficient in 11 out of 14 categories. So when people, and I've said this before, when I do a workshop and I say how many people think they eat a good diet, 90% of the people put up their hands. Then when I do the workshop, either food is medicine or care and feeding the brain, when that doesn't matter what it is, I say, okay, how many people still think they have a pretty good diet? Nobody raises their hand because they're rationalizing. They ate a salad today and, uh, you know, they, they did a few other good things, but that's not enough. And so this COVID pandemic, uh, there were studies from Stanford and North Carolina University found that 90 to 95% of people had insufficient nutrients to, to make their immune system strong enough to fight the COVID virus. So that confirms what the National Cancer Institute study said. Same thing. 90 to 95 percent of people don't get enough nutrients to fight off a virus or a flu or a cold or pancreatic cancer or diabetes or anything else. And that's why we have this chronic illness crisis going on. So I'm going to, uh, I'm, I'm going to let Aubrey uh, jump off for a while because she has a hard, hard stop at uh, two o'clock. And uh, thanks, Aubrey, for your help today. And we'll see you the next time. Thank you. Okay.
0: Okay, thank you. Have right. a great one.
1: All right, you too. So I'm just going to carry on for a few more minutes and try to give people a little bit more of a of a heads up on what to do. Um, uh, I had a few athletes, uh, very, very serious athletes, who were exercising like uh, two, three hours a day. And they were lean, and they ate good diets, and they both tested as pre-diabetics. And... The doctor said, I don't understand this. And they said they don't understand it either. And I said, I think I understand it perfectly because when you exercise, you actually increase the energy burning in your body, which means you increase the need for magnesium. So instead of your body needing, let's do the RDA 450 milligrams a day, you may need 900 or you may need 1800 or 2000 milligrams. So for you athletes out there, please pay attention to this. Because if you have cramps while you're asleep or you have cramps when you're exercising, this is your body pulling potassium and magnesium out of your cells and using it to try to make more energy in the organs of your body, like your pancreas and your heart and your brain. And so it's a good thing that these cramps come in your extremities, your arms and your legs, because there are lots of people who actually die of a magnesium deficient heart attack. And one of the things, the reason we know this is that when the ambulance arrives at the uh, home and the person's still alive, they they put the people in the ambulance and the first thing they do is they put them on a magnesium IV. Now, I wonder why that is. And then you have to ask the question, why aren't doctors monitoring magnesium through the best test the RBC magnesium test which actually measures your magnesium levels better than the regular uh, glucose uh, test if you if you did the RBC magnesium test you'd know whether your magnesium levels were in the right level or not and then if you did the glycomark test you'd know whether you had insulin resistance uh, and, and these two things alone would give you some protection. So I just want to give that one heads up to uh, the athletes and uh, that are out there because you may think that you're uh, safe by eating a good diet but there are two things you need to make sure of that you take extra when you're exercising. One is magnesium and if it's a heavy exercise then you need to get up to about four times your RDA level like 2,000 milligrams and you also need extra vitamin C because oxygen in your body only burns at about a 90 to 95 percent efficiency. That means there's about five percent of it, at least, that's being used. It's becoming toxins. There, free radicals are being produced as you exercise, and so if you have some vitamin C in your body, this will help to neutralize the free radicals that are being produced while you exercise. And so I remember in New Jersey, I had a client, a CEO in a company, and he was saying that he, he ate really well and he exercised a couple hours every day and he had triple bypass surgery and he was trying to figure out how that happened. And I said, well, here's exactly how it happened. And I told him about the magnesium and the vitamin C equation for people who exercise. And he, just, he said to me quite naively and quite honestly, well, why would my doctor ever tell me that? And I thought to myself, well, (laughs) some doctors would tell you that, the good naturopaths or functional medicine doctors, but the average doctor doesn't get trained in this, doesn't know about these additional tests, doesn't know about the challenge that an exercise person has. And so I think it's up to you. It's your responsibility to find these things out if your doctor can't find it out. And so I'd like to sort of say at, at the end of this, you know, uh, I've been working with one of the big uh, cancer clinics across the country. I won't say the name, but I've been working with them trying to find ways to prevent cancer uh, before it happens. And um, they're interested, but they want to do clinical trials. They want to say, let's let's take this particular nutrient, whether it's magnesium or some other one, and, and, and test it in a trial. And... I'm gonna send an email out today and what that email is gonna say is, with all due respect, there is enough science out there right now to justify adding dietary and nutritional supplement protocols to the cancer treatment programs that, that, that people are going through in your hospitals right across the country. Hundreds, thousands sometimes of articles that already validate and prove that magnesium is crucial for the heart and the brain and the pancreas. And so these are things that we don't have to have a lot of expensive time consuming clinical trials to validate. Besides the clinical trials will usually say, let's test one thing. Well, guess what? That should be eliminated as the gold standard of testing. We now should start the gold standard being adding two or three or four things into a, a, a protocol and having the whole protocol be tested. Because by waiting to test one thing at a time, you're not gonna get the same synergy and the same biochemical reactions that you get when sometimes you add these components together. And the science is there to prove that as well. There have been studies that tested these things in a multiple way. They just haven't been the clinical studies that the drug companies are used to. So I would say to all the doctors or all the people out there who have doctors that might be interested. Look at the science now and use the applied science of the existing uh, remedies for preventing and treating chronic illness because they are there. There's 40,000 clinical studies that actually exist for the prevention and reversal of chronic illness. So um, pancreatic cancer does not need to exist. Diabetes type 2 does not need to exist and the solutions are there and until we start to pay attention to these natural solutions that work we're going to continue to have these catastrophic problems with diabetes and pancreatic cancer and that's a sorry thing for me to have to say. So I'd like to end today by thanking our sponsors. Our sponsors are DHA Labs. Uh, They provide some of the most advanced tests that I've ever seen in fact They've helped me to develop six labs of my own that find a lot of these um, cellular deterioration factors in the body five to 10 years before they actually manifest in some kind of chronic illness. And uh, I think that that kind of organization also is good for the blood testing in your organization or you as an individual. So DHA labs in the Chicago area it's really, really a progressive uh, testing company. And I don't, I don't need to say this, but it's true. Their prices are really, really uh, extraordinarily fair and, and good for all the tests that, that they provide. And they also have a good new genetic test, which I think you should take into consideration. Uh, they test 400 SNPs, whereas uh, 23andMe tests 200 SNPs. These are single nucleotide polymorphisms. They're kind of the breaks in the chromosomes that need to be tested. So they do great genetic testing too. And another one of the sponsors is Paddock Pools. Uh, they're from Rockville, Rock Hill, North Carolina. South Carolina, sorry. Rock Hill, South Carolina. And they make pools, but they make a vacuum extractor that goes kind of on the side of the pool that takes the air that's being generated from the gas that's coming out of the chlorine uh, treated pool and it actually pulls that gas out and extracts it out of the building so that now the air that you're breathing while you're exercising is about 95 percent devoid of all these chlorine gases that, that are out there that can do you harm that can actually cause zinc depletion, depletion and uh, zinc depletion can lead to different cancers of different kinds. So you want to find a pool that, that, that has this vacuum extractor in it. And if you can't find one in your community, maybe you should contact some of those pools in your community and see if they can't get one added on because it really is worth it. If you're going to use swimming as your exercise, then you're going to want to try to swim in a pool that has this vacuum extractor unit on it. And the third company I'd like to mention is uh, Southern Trust Financial Planning. Southern Trust Financial Planning is a Sarasota company, and I've been working with them for about 15 or 20 years now. They decided at that time that it was important to not only help people to build their wealth, but to build their health. That if you don't have your health, you really don't have anything. And so Mark Wolf, who's the CEO of uh, Southern Trust Financial Planning, Made that decision, and uh, he's really been a good supporter of this program and a lot of the other work that I've been doing as well. And so I want to thank him for that. And I want to recommend that if you need any financial planning in your future, you consider a company like uh, Southern Southern Trust Financial Planning. And the fourth and final sponsor is uh, MPB Health. Uh, MPB Health is a, a, a medical cost sharing company, and they really uh, are unique not in that the fact that they're a medical cost-sharing company there are dozens a few dozen of those companies out there but they are concentrating on wellness a lot better than a lot of the companies out there. They actually are using an artificial intelligence platform that we sponsor and promote to actually get a score for all of their clients and all of their members to see how healthy they are right now. And then they're thinking about giving them some incentives from a premium point of view in order to increase their desired use of this platform to become healthier. And so they're at the leading edge of the wellness programs that are out there. And so if you are an individual uh, contractor, uh, maybe a real estate agent or an insurance agent, or you have a small company, you might want to think about MPB Health because your your insurance uh, premiums are going up and when they get done doing all the things that they do to improve your health and improve your their well your wellness, you can end up getting premiums that are like 30 to 50 percent less than some of the typical health insurance premiums that are out there. So I would recommend MPB Health. They have videos online that you can go and look into and, and see who they are and what they're all about and then if you call their 800 number you'll talk to a Uh, a consultant and he'll tell you or she'll tell you all about what they're all about and how you can maybe consider it as as an option for your health insurance coverage so those are our sponsors for today i'd like to thank everybody for listening in and i'd like to thank aubrey again and i'd like to thank uh, radio md for helping us to host these things and get them out there for you to listen to and learn by thanks again for everything and we'll see you next time around. Bye.